You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump, and with me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Long week for me. Oh, thank God you're out of Alabama and you're back home in civilization. Nice to, nice to have you back, Grump. Yeah, I had a real, I had a real shitty landing. I don't. It was a uh, super windy and cold coming down. So, like, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but like, you fly a lot, though. Um, pilot kind of brought us down fast, uh, I guess, because of the turbulence or whatever surrounding the Newark airport. And, uh, that like quick pressure change, like my ears couldn't unpop for like, do you know what I mean? For like hours. Sure. Uh, and I think the, uh, the fact that it was like 15 degrees with like a negative three wind chill or some crazy shit when I landed, that didn't help. Like, I think that made me hold on to it even longer. <laughs> um, cause that shit didn't really like fully unpop until like 10 o'clock at night when I was like in my overheating apartment. And then you're doing this thing with your nose. Like, yep. I tried everything. Bouncing then. like this and doing this and oh yeah. Oh man. I feel for you, man. There's nothing worse than a landing. That's not good. You know, and especially when you come into LaGuardia because it's like landing on an aircraft carrier. It's just like this runway in the water. And the planes, they do like these pretty sharp turns to come in. And, you know, when, when I'm flying, if everything is normal, I am a, now a pretty good flyer. The second something is unusual, that's when I instantly get green and start clutching for the bag and stuff. And LaGuardia happens to me all the time. So I feel for you, but welcome home. Thank you. Yeah. It, when you when you have the unpopped ears thing, it kind of just – it never feels – like you're still holding on to some part of the flight. Like you're still not home yet. You know what I mean? You're stuck with some level of like travel baggage. Um, but yeah, so I'm home. I'm tired. Um, I slept until 2 p.m. on Saturday. I haven't done that shit since like high school. Um, but yeah, I, I watched the Senior Bowl um, after watching these kids practice all week. I sat at home, watched the Senior Bowl very casually. I think I ate pizza or something and just – Does it feel anticlimactic like after watching all the practices and all the interviews and all talking about it when the actual game is on and you're just like, oh, it's just there? Um, No, it kind of feels fun. It feels high Mm -hmm. school-y. You know what I mean? Like high school football-y to me anyway. Yeah. Um, I guess maybe just because that's how I relate to like the practice level. And whatever, but yeah, I don't know. It makes me think of just like a Friday night, like game, or like, but but like, um, it's not a very big stadium either, right? It's kind of like one of those. Yeah, it's kind of like a high school, like a nice high school stadium. Yeah. Um, but you know those like uh those like preseason like inter scrimmage games, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like JV like varsity game. games or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure. That's kind of what it feels like. Because you just watched him practice all week, and you know, I don't know. So who uh, who shined in it? 
in the game itself, it kind of interesting names that I wasn't watching throughout the uh, throughout the week. Um, both quarterbacks I thought were, uh, I don't know, just underwhelming. This was like a boring quarterback. But you said one. that you said that all week though. That was like in every one of the the reports that you did that you thought the quarterbacks were pretty. Uh, yeah, they're pretty bad. Blah. Yeah. Um, as far as the game, I don't really remember. I, I think Eric Gray, the running back from Oklahoma, had a a more outstanding game than I guess he shined in practice. Not that he was bad in practice. It's just like running back stuff is not always the easiest to see in practice. Mm-hmm. Um, one guy that sticks out that had like a really interesting game, and I, I didn't remember seeing him do anything in uh, practice, was Lonnie Phelps from Kansas. Um, he stood out in the game. He, he blew up a run play, forced a fumble. Um, he beat Bar- Darnell Wright, who is one of the better tackles out of Tennessee, uh, around the edge and forced a bad throw. Um, he was giving him fits on the inside. Uh, at one point, I mean, he got credit for a sack. He he kind of forced the tackle into the quarterback's legs, tripped him up, made him fall. He he shined in this game, and I didn't really see him at practice, so I kind of just started looking at his tape just to confirm, like, oh, there is some stuff here, so put his name aside to really look him up um, if we're ever in the need of a, an edge rusher. It's one of those intangible things like how they do in an actual game. You know, you watch practice all week and you see, you know, the, on one-on-one drills or whatever. But in a game, you know, you can't replicate a game, no matter it's, you know, a playoff game or regular season or even an all-star game. It's it's competition, and that's something that, uh, you know, it, Something you want to look for? Do they have that uh, in their belly when it when when the lights go on? Yeah, I think you, I think you're right. I think there is some level of that. Um, also, I mean, like he's in practice. Like he was going up against like some good linemen. Like mm-hmm. most of the O linemen there were the people that shined. Uh, o linemen, <laughs> wide receivers, corners. So I guess good news for Giants fans, right? Like all shit we mm. need. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like going up against Darnell Wright, like. He was dominant here, like in practices blocking. Um, you know, Bergeron even was good. The guy from Syracuse, like I hadn't even heard of until mm-hmm. I came down here. So, um, you know, the fact that he's shining in the game that's that's you know noteworthy. So it, it, you know, maybe he just needed that week of practice to kind of get his feet underneath him. But remember, too, you know, when you're talking about these practices where how far removed from a lot of these guys last game, you know, even if they played in a bowl game in the prep for that, we're talking a month out. And let's say they didn't play in the bowl game. They're getting ready for, you know, this could be up to two months. So there's going to be a little bit of a rust on these guys, even during their practices during the week. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, you, you hope that they're in shape and stuff. Yeah, uh, going into the draft and whatever, and I'm sure these guys all were obviously, but right, um, but like that's but one of yeah, the I mean like the the one on one stuff, like yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, because even like that's one of the big one of the reasons I don't like bowl games is just you know you play for 12 weeks, you maybe have a buy in the middle, but then all of a sudden you're off for five weeks, and all of a sudden you're supposed to play a game, and it's like usually these games are, are garbage because there's just rust. So that could impact some of these guys a little bit, but I guess. It's up to people like you to kind of say what's distinguished between rust and ability. Yeah, I guess so. It's all on me. Um, <laughs> um, 
I mean, there were a lot of O-linemen to get excited about. Uh, John Michael Schmitz, I mean, was kind of the talk of the town. He was probably the the, the takeaway name from the week of practice. Um, it would be nice to have a center of his abilities uh, on this roster next week, next year. Um, it's, I mean, it's early, right? Like, the Senior Bowl just happened. He's the big name, so it's easy days? to say, like, you know how many oh. days we have before the draft? No. It's like 78 days. It's yeah, a well, I mean, that, long, yeah, it's that's a long, long time. For, that's that's for what I mean. Like, he's the talk right now, right mm-hmm. after this. But um, he is kind of looking like a first-round pick. And, like, I guess even if, you know, that means the Giants at 25 or wherever they're picking, like, it just asks that question, like, is that what you want to invest in that position in that guy? So, you know that's something to to think about like well i mean let me ask you would you how much do you value the center position anchoring the line right in the middle i think it depends on what else is on the line i mean i think if you have a guy like an andrew thomas who's now who's the anchor of this line and evan neal we assume is going to get better you know he had a struggle in his rookie year but we i think both of us agree he's going to be solid you know in the next year or two I don't think it's as critical as if you have those bookends. If you had kind of some shakiness on either side, you know, your guards are, eh, I think that the center is much more important. But I think the way this uh, this line is being built, I don't think it's as mission critical maybe as some other teams. Um, okay. So, I mean, you, you're just kind of like, it depends on what you're building around. Yeah. See, I kind of disagree. I think... Um, the most important thing is to have a pocket to step back into, and then mm-hmm. the next most important thing is having a pocket to step up in. If uh-huh. you want to be able to throw the ball, you have to be able to step backwards. If you want to be able to throw the ball deep, you have to be able to step forwards. That's mm-hmm. just kind of the way – I mean, obviously, that is like the ABC's level of like right. thinking about passing football. But I think it's important, right? Like, And – I don't think it ever hurts. Like, oh, you already have a good left guard? Well, shit. You have a good left guard, a good left tackle, and a good center? Run left, man. Um, and oh, I'm not if, saying, it, I'm not no, saying no, no, it's I, meaningless, but yeah. No, but I'm, I'm just saying from my point of view, like when you have the skeletal bones of an offensive line are either a left tackle and a center or a left tackle and a right tackle. When you get yourself a nice shell, it's left tackle, center, right tackle. That's mm-hmm. just the way I look at it. Yeah. If you're so that's the way I'd build it. Like you look at this offensive line that the Giants currently have and you have like a third round pick investment in Azudu who's like not also he played left guard but like he's a dude that they have been moving around the offensive line. They had him at left tackle, they had him at right guard, they had him at right tackle. Mm-hmm. Um and they did something similar at UNC anyway. So He's not even slated to be necessarily your left guard, but like that's what you have there. You have Glowinski, who was bad this year at right guard, and then you have Nick Gates, who is unsigned as of right now. And even if you resign him, he's got that leg injury, which I don't think you'll ever be totally comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have Ben Bredesen, who was solid. Um, I don't think it ever hurts like those that group of guys like nobody is just like fuck yes like that guy is that third anchor and that offensive line like none of them are right Right. so like 
I'm not saying that this guy is that guy, but if that guy's around, I'd consider spending a late first round pick. Um, obviously, anytime you say something like that, it's just like it depends on what elf is there. Yes, of course, mm-hmm. obviously. Right, right. Speaking but in it, generalities it, here, but but it goes into the conversation where maybe it didn't before. Yeah, yeah. I I think that like with this team, if you want to start building that shell, like that's kind of the way to do it, right? Mm-hmm. And also, like you get a like when you get a good center, like a center who can block, right, and like knows how to snap the ball, knows the play count really well, whatever, right? Like that's good for your line. When You'd you also have, no, no, no. Wait, hang a hand. But when you get like a center that's like the guy, you know what I mean? Like he's the the offensive line men, right? So we, we talk about like Andrew Thomas, he's our all pro left tackle, but like, he's not like a vocal leader really. Like an Alex Mack. Yeah. I mean, he, he's not right. Like he, he's kind of a leader kind of, but, but he's not like Nick Mangold. You know what I mean? Right. And like you get that guy and he's getting everybody lined up and getting everybody accountable and you know, whatever. Like, I think that shit's important. And if that's, that guy, like, yes, I think to me, if you can tell that he's got the ability and he's got that in him, I would spend a first-round pick on that. And then also, if you were to draft him, you know, you would have three guys in your offensive line who'd still be on rookie contracts. You know, obviously different stages like Andrew Thomas, we have to think about an extension in, in now, but, you know, that's three important guys that are not taking up, you know, huge amounts of your cap. And they're staggered too, so because if you want to go in the open market to get a good center, it's going to be expensive. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, and we're going to have to think about other contracts as well. Dexter Lawrence, and uh, you know, in the immediate future, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley. We'll get to that stuff in a in a in a minute. Let's, mm-hmm. you know, just I, I don't know. There. I, I think they're going to address the offensive line at some point. That might be like a middle round guy as well. Like they might go guard in that circumstance. Uh, I don't know that they're fully set at guard. They're certainly not set at right guard. I know Joe Shane said at like press conference where he was praising literally every single draft pick he made. Um, he said that Marcus McKeithen was having a great camp for us. And I, like, I think his camp was only like a couple weeks before he tore his ACL. So I don't really know that that means a single thing in the universe. No. So um, <laughs> I don't really, you know, I'm not solidified on that right guard position um, unless you want to move Ben Bredesen there. And in which case, you know, you, I'd need somebody else at left guard or something. You need someone at left guard, which I think is, you know. Yeah. And and even so, like, I think Ben Bredesen's good. But, like, if you're really trying to improve shit, then, like, improve. Let Ben Bredesen be that first guy off the bench. That's mm-hmm. pretty damn good, you know. And build some depth. Yeah. yeah, you're gonna need that. Like, mm-hmm. no offensive line is gonna play all 17 games. Exactly. Um, so and yeah, also that, you may want to give someone a guy a blow for a play or two. Do you want to have competent guys behind you? Yeah, but I mean, like, even just bullshit, like you know, just twisted ankle stuff like that. Like, let somebody else finish out a game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and like you know, so guys like Cody Mock, they're the real deal. That kid, the North Dakota State kid, he mm-hmm. he really is as good as his flash plays. He does have things to work on. Obviously he's not the greatest offensive lineman to ever existed, but he is very, very good. Uh, But like, there were some other guys that I hadn't really had on my 
radar. Like Tyler Steen from Alabama. I think he played tackle there, but was playing inside a guard. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know. Just, had... A school like Bama, though, I mean, they stockpile so much talent. It's yeah, I mean just... – they they can move someone over to guard and he'll be you know playing probably at an all SEC level you know out of position, but they just have such natural talent these guys they get. Oh yeah, yeah, and and also it's like might even be playing out of position just so you get off the bench right. Right. And you have exactly. like a five star recruit sitting on the bench till his junior year. Right. Um, and you know something that's actually a trait that I look for is someone that's like, you know, when you come to Alabama you think you're king shit. You know you've been you're you're probably a four or five star guy. You've had your ass kissed and you come to Bama and that's the first time you're going to have real competition in your life. And these guys who willingly, voluntarily change positions, you know, just because they want to get on the field and they know that's their best path to win and to get to the NFL, that that impresses me. That's a character trait I'm looking for. That is Tay Crowder, actually, mm-hmm. at Georgia. Yep. Um, and for what it's worth, effort guy for sure. Yeah. Um. Two other offensive linemen in the middle that, like, I think might be targets. Steve Avila from TCU was really, really good. Um, and Osiris Torrance, I think. I mean, I, I think if you went into this thinking, like, um, I have questions about his pass sets. If he is not good, he's this. If he's good, he's this. And you uh-huh. came into it very honestly. You'd walk away being like, well, he's exactly what I thought he was. Um, but if you went in there thinking he was king shit and then, uh, you'd, you'd probably walk away disappointed cause he did have trouble in some pass sets and stuff like that. But like you saw him a lot, like that's not surprising to you, right? No. I mean, two things for, if I think about him immediately. It's, you know, it's a guy that came from Louisiana and, you know, if he wasn't, you know, the Billy Napier, you know, transfer express from Louisiana to Florida, you know, Florida never would have had him. So you're always there's always questions before the season started. Can he make the jump from Louisiana to the SEC? And also, and I think we talked about it in last week's show that the Florida offense was based around Anthony Richardson and how he was always moving, always rolling to his right, always you know he was never just sitting back in the pocket looking to pick apart a secondary. That wasn't that's not what he is. That's not what the Florida offense was around him. So. It's tough to tell though, guys like him, Richard Goriage, you know, all these other guys on the offensive line, Ethan White, as pure pass blockers because this was an offense designed to get the ball out of Richardson's hands quickly and with his legs, the ability to get out of trouble. So the sack numbers were really, really low. Um, but let's say you're in an offense where, you know, you have more of a stationary quarterback or even a Daniel Jones who's not, you know, I know he rolls out quite a bit, but let's say he's back in the pocket more. I mean, I, it still has to play out with a guy like a science Torrance, you know, how good of a pass blocker he is. Uh, that's interesting. I was going to say that that kind of is the giants offense, isn't it? Um, yeah. I mean, not to the extent it was at Florida. I mean, you know, every play Richardson was rolling, you know, even, you know, I, I would say even more than Daniel Jones was. I, no, think, I mean, Daniel Jones wasn't rolling every play. No. Yeah, I mean, it was almost every play with Bridge Richardson. We know it's either a handoff or he was he was rolling out. And that was one of the criticisms about – and you know, I'm sure we're going to talk about Anthony Richardson when we get to our quarterback you know, discussion with the draft. It's, you know, it's tough to tell with it, completely tough to tell because, again, he was only working with half a field most of the time. Right. You know, so like 
It's like, oh, this guy was open. Like, well, he's not throwing across his body across the field for that guy that was open. That's not available to him. So his game's going to have to, you know, potentially change when he gets the NFL to be more of a full field quarterback. But back going back to Torrance again, it's easier to pass block when you know, you know, the ball's going to be out of his hands, or this guy can, you know, can evade, you know, uh, you know, a defensive end or a linebacker coming in. I feel you. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, is there another position that you're just like, was there anything down there that can help us? Anything at all? Linebacker. I want to talk to linebacker. I mean, the obvious things are, you know, wide receiver and cornerback and, you know, but to me, linebacker is going to be a key for this team to improve. What, what did you see there? You know what? Honestly, man, not much. It's a, it's a tough one. So it's one I don't focus on in practice. So okay. it's, it's, it's this year. So every year it's, they're coached by different coaches. Um, so the practices are not identical and the way they're run are not the same from practice to practice and whatever. So, but what is unique about linebacker things is that like, they're just, the drills do not really showcase their ability in the same way that like one-on-ones do with wide receiver corner. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It just doesn't work that way. Um, Right. And like all the coverage drills are just unfair. Uh, So it's tough to do that, but there was thankfully a lot of team portion things, which is just straight up 11 on 11. You know what I mean? There's that's football. Right. Um, So the first day uh, Cam Jones from Indiana was the big winner. Uh, I think he had like two interceptions or something like that. Um, you know, that's the only thing that would like stat wise, it was like jump out. Right. Um, the kid Dennis from Pitt, I think had some good moments, uh, overshone from Texas was like the guy I really wanted to see. He showed some good instincts at time. Um, the name I think a lot of people wanted to know was Ivan Pace from Cincinnati because he moves around really well and he moves around really fast. Um, and he triggers really well, but he is short, short, man. Like at oh. linebacker being five ten is like mm. very, very short. Like he kinda looks like um Earl Thomas running around. Okay. But mm-hmm. like playing in the box only. Oh you know what I mean? Yeah. So like the big thing with him is and like he didn't show it is like, is he ever gonna be able to shed blockers? Like, if a lineman is pulling in the run game and gets in his way, is there any hope of him overpowering that? If he's scraping across the top and hits somebody, does he have any chance? And, like, every time those opportunities came up, he has to rely on his, like, quickness and speediness to, like, jump around them. But, like, the NFL, man, like, those linemen that are pulling, like, they are athletic, and you're not going to be able to do that shit. So, for me, that's the big question. Otherwise, as a linebacker, he's really fun to watch. I just like I think maybe his NFL transition is not necessarily linebacker. Maybe it is some kind of like weird hybrid safety kind of role. Maybe he just maybe his focus should be getting better in coverage or something like that. I don't know. Maybe he shouldn't listen to me cuz I'm not a scout. You know, I see a lot in college a lot of these 425 defenses. Yeah. That might be something that might be transitioning some in the NFL somewhere. It sounds like that might be the type of defense that 
if he's going to be successful, he could he could play in. Oh yeah, I mean, well, that would just be kind of like nickel coverage, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. As your as your like base defense, but yeah, I, I just I I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm entirely wrong. He because he is kind of like a spark plug back there, but in my opinion, he's not so explosive that it overcomes that problem. Do you know what I mean? Where are they projecting him to be? Like the, I have like no a, idea. A, a second day guy or. You know. Oh yeah, I don't think I, he's he's not a day one guy. Oh, I mean, as opposed to a day three guy or even a uh, you know an undrafted free agent. No, I think he's thought of as probably like those mid round sweet spots, like three at the highest, but probably more four or five. Mm-hmm. Um, and that probably is fine, but like if that's, I just wouldn't. No matter where he's picked or whatever, I just I wouldn't count on him being like a linebacker that's going to succeed. You know. Like he's just gonna have that problem. Yeah. And if I'm drafting, I'm kind of one guys who are likely to succeed. Yeah, I don't want to fucking that's just, that's whiff on that. I no. was interested in checking out the guy from Jackson State just because he was from Jackson State. Mm-hmm. Um, and without having followed any of Deion Sanders' escapade over there, I'm sure you could enlighten me. But like, my assumption is he went to this smaller school and his name brought in like transfers from every corner of the country. Um, well, he's actually, he did more for like, like NIL stuff it was amazing for, a, oh, you know, okay, yeah, or that an HBCU school to, to, to generate the kind of money. But if this guy's a senior, he was there before Dion was, I think Dion was there three years, I believe. Beats me. So man. he might've, he might've preceded, uh, Dion there. Well, I mean, unless he transferred, right? It's possible. I don't really know this dude's story. I checked him out though. He was bad. Bad meaning he, bad or bad, bad meaning bad, good? No, he was like not good. He looked <laughs> okay. lost a little bit during the game. He got driven out of a hole for a big, for a big big gain um, by Blake Freeland, who was honestly wasn't that good during practice. Um, he got lost in coverage on Josh Wiley during the game. He he just he yeah. didn't do well. There's a difference from going from Louisiana to the SEC, and there's a difference from going from a one AA school. I I mean the NFL. I don't look. Maybe his. I don't. I didn't even check, but maybe he had a good week of practice, and I didn't know, uh, mm-hmm. and he just looked bad in the game. Maybe. Right. 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 So, uh, I guess take for whatever it's worth. Gotcha. Was there anything else, or was that that was kind of it for the All Star game for you? Pretty much. Yeah. 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 Um, it was fun. Um, I I hope to go next year. I mean, just work was such a. a a killer for me in January. Otherwise I definitely, I think for sure next year, even if it's just to help you guys, you know, you guys are the, uh, you know, the, the, the evaluators, I can do a lot of things to help you guys. So hopefully next year I'll be down there with you guys. Well, did you, let me ask you this. Did you watch any of the East West shrine game? I did not. Okay. Cause there is some chatter that that is kind of like maybe the bigger thing going forward. Well, it used to be like I remember as a kid growing up, that was always the big. I know. It used to be at Stanford every year. I don't know where it is now. It's um, in Vegas now. It's in Vegas now. So if you bring it in Vegas, oh yeah, we definitely go to that. But um, but like even like this year, like some some guys chose that over the Senior Bowl. Interesting. Like AT like Perry was there. Um, Zay Flowers, I think, went. Hmm. Um. John I mean, it would Gata, make sense. Like, it would yeah, make the, sense to consolidate to have it like in one place. It's it's easier on the, you know, on the on the NFL teams. It's easier on on 
you know, general managers. It's just have the best, play the best, and practice against the best. And if you have it in Vegas, you have it in a dome, so you have controlled environment. Um, I, I'd be fine with that. What are you? I don't know. What are you saying? I'd be fine if the, if, if, if the East West Shrine game became the the central All Star game when everybody played there, as opposed to people splitting between the, the Senior Bowl and that. Well, I don't think the Senior Bowl is going anywhere. I think that like it's going to be like a real competition for talent going yeah, forward. Like, that's what I mean. I think if uh, I think it's going to start splitting people, is what I'm saying. Oh, I was thinking that if the NFL really wanted to make a push and say that you know, were they going to? What would they endorse? Like, what would they want? I think they may make a choice between the two. And to me, having something in Vegas, I think the East West Shrine has more name recognition than the Senior Bowl. Yeah, I think I think Mobile is kind of maybe the reason. Um, it's tough to get to. Also, I mean, it's you know, it is kind of again. a bitch. So like, everybody had. I, I mean, I'm fucking lucky stars. I had no flight trouble, but like I heard endless stories of people having trouble with delays and yeah. trouble getting in because there's a regional airport and it's very small. Right. I um, mean, our head coach and our general manager had to fly through Atlanta. That's not ideal, you know. For yeah. you know, time is time is money. Um, but interesting that it might be kind of split between which games you want to watch, check out practice to, because whatever, right? Mm, sure. Absolutely. Um, well, so, it's interesting too because like the players don't get paid to go there or anything, right? It's not like an appearance fee. It's just I have no idea. Whatever one they want to go to, I guess, and maybe just if they're, I'm assuming that you know from the south and the east are going, and the Midwest are going to Mobile, and you know more Western based guys are going to uh, to Vegas. No, it's not like that. No, I just I just listed off like three guys from the east. Joe I mean, Gatto was, was from Clemson. A.T. Perry is. Um, I didn't say it was. I said you know Wake the majority. Are. Yeah. Um, and uh, Zay Flowers is Boston College. Yeah. Well, um, maybe I don't know. Yeah. Maybe uh, those guys in the East want to go out west to Vegas. Maybe some of these guys never been to Vegas before. I, I mean, think it's, it's a draw. It might be the coaching that they're receiving. I don't know. That's true too. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I it'd be interesting. Uh. I would go to Vegas, you know, check out football talent among other talent. I guess. <laughs> my talent in blackjack would be very, very impressive. That's probably a day two pick, my blackjack skills, but not exactly the talent I had in mind. But <laughs> um, so I guess the only talk that's been going on since I've been doing all that stuff has just been Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley contracts, and I don't really have a strong opinion. So this is kind of just going to close out the show in like a really well, the other, I think the, the bigger story right now is the um, the coordinators. What's the story? Oh, you yeah. Know, well, I mean, we can talk about the coaches, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's... That scared me shitless just a little bit, yeah. Um, <laughs> so they were both in Mobile. I can tell you that much. Mm-hmm. Wink was more on the field with guys. Kafka, I we didn't see at all um, at the stadium, but it's a big place, really, mm-hmm. truly, honestly. Dable I saw only briefly at the stadium. Um, and we saw Joshin there on the field, and uh, so they were all at least there. Right now, Mike Kafka is a finalist for the Arizona job with Lou Anarumo from Cincinnati, and somebody else who's a defensive guy. I can't remember. Um, 
And Wink Martindale is a finalist with the Colts among, I think, a bunch of names. Mm-hmm. Um, a, who are you worried about? B, who do you think is the realistic one to go, if any? Give me your questions, comments, and concerns. Well, I am more concerned about Wink Martindale leaving. Um, I think he's a special coordinator, and I think, you know, if he leaves, it may, I think it's going to cause more change if he's gone than if Kafka leaves. I think Kafka, to me, he's still running Dable's offense. So I think if he leaves, I think you can, it's easier to replace with, you know, as much continuality as possible. Um, if Wink goes, and who knows what defensive where comes in here, it's going to be a different defense. Um, and the other thing with with uh, with Kafka, I mean, I, again with Daniel Jones, it'd be yet another offensive coordinator and another, you know, guy, you know, terminology and things. But the Giant offense was okay this year. I mean, it wasn't mind-boggling or explosive or you know the greatest show on turf or anything so you know yes it's you know we saw daniel jones mature this year cutting down on turnovers be more assertive we saw saquon barkley doing things you know back to finally back to full health and showing you know explosiveness and everything but again without without those wide receivers that we need you know the 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 skill position guys like that, you know, having just Daniel Bellinger in tight end, this offense, we haven't seen what the full capabilities of it could be with better personnel. So I'm kind of thinking, you know, the com- combining that and the fact that it really is Dable's offense. I'm okay. If Kafka leaves, I also have a sneaky suspicion. He's the one who's going to go first. Um, I just think that this league, there's a little trend of just getting, younger guys and getting them in whether they're ready or not um and wink just feels like to me he's a coordinator and he might always be a coordinator i don't know so i'm i'm more worried if wink leaves but i have a feeling that caps is going first do you think it's happening this year i do not think it's this year i think Kafka will be here one more year and think he's gone after this year especially you know all things equal if you know daniel jones is back and saquon is back um we get a wide receiver in the draft and you know we another year of everybody being together i think this offense will continue to show improvements i think it'll make them more and more marketable and also the giants next year are going to be on prime time a lot more i mean they're because of the giants you know, they were on Sunday at one o'clock a lot this year, but now with a little taste of success, being on prime time means more visibility, more name recognition. You're going to have a lot of shots of Wink and and Kafka, you know, with the cameras on him and stuff. And I think that builds name recognition. I think that helps them in their search also. That's an interesting. You're you're 100 right. Like I don't know if anyone else thought of that. Um, I mean, think of some of the guys around the league who are like. You know, like Rex Ryan, Rob Ryan, for example. That guy was a household name. He was just a coordinator. Okay, he was what's Rex's brother, and he had funny hair. But he got as much um, airtime, you know, than you know half these head coaches did. And you know, again, I think the Giants are going to be one of those four or five teams that are going to be on a lot on Sunday night and Monday night and Thursday night, and they're just it's going to become storylines. So, and there's 
owners out there that sometimes hire just to create a buzz. And if this giant offense takes off next year, they're going to be in demand. I think uh, – so I agree with you. I think Kafka is going to be the one to go first. Um, and I am more worried about Wink. Um, I am legitimately worried about Wink, though. Um, like, I know he's a defensive guy and that that's not really what coaches are looking for. And especially, like, he's in the running for the indie job where it's just like, what the hell is the quarterback – and how how do you pair the defensive guy with a quarterback hole? Like, how do you not get the O offensive mind for that? Right? Like, th- that's kind of where I land with that. That's where it doesn't line up with me. Um, but, like, on the other side, like, Wink, personality-wise, I think is basically Jim Mercer. And I'm, like, not entirely sure the two of them have been spotted in the same room at the same time. Um, I, I, I also just... I'm very wary of crazy owners too. Yeah, and he's nuts. I mean, yeah, he's he's certifiably nuts. So not having a quarterback to me might be secondary to like is all of a sudden, you know, is there, I mean, a call from the owners box saying bench this quarterback. I don't want him playing anymore. I mean that's that's a possibility with that crazy team. I just so I wonder right. Um, I think Wink might maybe be a new kind of trend in the way defensive coaches coach the game. And that is, I mean, like, not that there's anything new about like an attacking style defense, right? Like that's not, he didn't invent that. Mm -hmm. Um, But just like that kind of, so like right now it, it no longer feels like you have to get a Tom Brady quarterback to win football games. And that is your football search. You do whatever it takes until you get that guy. And then once you have that guy, you build a team around him. You don't let him go forever. And then once you do that, you win Super Bowls. You get your Tom Brady's, your Drew Brees, your Phil Rivers, your Aaron Rodgers. That's how you win football games. And now it feels more like you as a franchise go out and you get that offensive mind. You get that offensive coordinator. You get that head coach that's the offensive guru, and he runs all the X's and O's, and he knows all the rule changes that helps the offense. Yep. And, you know, he does all the funny clock management stuff that kind of helps. And you get him a mobile quarterback that's just kind of mostly okay, and maybe he can make some deep throws, and there's some leeway with the talent. And it's more of an offensive coordinator versus a defense game now. And I think the reaction to that might be a – string of attacking defenses because right now it feels like you line up and that offensive coordinator has like 60 solutions based on formation and and using motion and stuff like that defense feels reactive right now. yeah it feels so on its heels just from the get-go just from like a schematic standpoint and i think the response to that is bringing something to the table that forces the offense to have to react to what you're doing. And if we lose that, I think that the drop-off from year one to year two, even with talent increases, is going to be huge. And not for nothing, I think it just puts you back in that behind the eight ball, right? Because that puts so much more pressure on the offense to be scoring 50-point games instead of aiming for that 30-point goalpost that right. we're kind of aiming for now. It was a really right. long-winded explanation. I'm sorry about that, but I no, really I, get my it point. Makes, it makes 100% sense. I mean, 
again, this team is this defense, offense next year is not going to be all of a sudden become a team that's going to score, you know, forty points a game. Right. Yeah. They're We're still aiming for that thirty-point goalpost. We hit it once this year. Right. We need right. to be hitting that, you know, fifteen times out of seventeen. Seriously, mm-hmm. like that That's needs to be a consistent thing. If you want to win, you got to be scoring at least thirty points. So the idea that we might have to score forty because the defense drops off and talent and, and schematically, we just get fall that far behind. Like it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and not for nothing, I like that kind of defense, man. I like defense. I like I like offenses going out there and being worried that there might be a sack. Sure, you know what I mean. Like I just. I like striking I like a quarterback fear. that looks like he's completely lost and doesn't yes. know what's going to happen next. And, I mean, we were at that game, you know, or at all the games. I mean, that, that last game of the year, that indie game, that looked like an offense that had no answers and was in complete chaos the entire game. And the, and the crowd feeds off of it. The team feeds off of it. Everybody feeds off of it. Look, to me, football, as a fan and as far as enjoyment goes – the epitome of being a football fan is when your team is on defense. It's the only time you make noise if you're doing yeah, it right. True. I mean, you think about those loud fucking college stadiums. You imagine going to Happy Valley, and you know what I mean, or or Death Valley for that. You've matter. been, you've been to the swamp. You've heard, you've seen. It gets when we've had so some loud, defense. but sure. like, I mean, it. I mean, like, yes, there's the touchdown cheers and whatever, but that anticipation, that fear. I mean, that's awesome to me. Offense causes the crowd to react. Defense causes you to proactively, before a play, get excited. Exactly. It's a difference. I love that shit. That's yeah. that's what it is to me. That's like being up at bat, you know? Well, that's why my favorite giant team, I know that was going around this week, what's your favorite giant team of all time? That's why that 1990 team will always be my favorite. You know, they didn't win games 45-10. They won games 19-13 and, you know, 12-9. I mean, if you probably watch those old tapes now, if you're, you know, 20 years old, you probably bore you to death. But I mean, those are teams with, you know, with, with LT and Carson and Banks and, you know, all those guys. It was just, they were never, ever going to get blown out of a game. It keeps you in every game. Uh, they, they flip fields when they have to, they, they cause chaos. They cause turnovers. They, they win games for you. And, you know, when they beat Buffalo, that Buffalo team was way better than them. That, that, one of the best offenses of the of the era back then, and they were able to you know keep the game close. So, yeah, you you don't have to have an eighty five Bears defense or two thousand Ravens to win this league, but you need a defense that's going to have an impact and cause the other offense to take pause a little bit. And we get to that. We, I think with Wink, we're on that path. We'll get better players. More consistency, continue our, you know, being this offseason won't be about install. It'll be about refining and getting better if he stays. And you'll see a jump from year one to year two. Yeah, man. I And just in general, I just – I love Wink. I just – I like him as a <laughs> as a personality. I think he's a good coach. I, You know, he's always going to do stuff that's going to bite you in the ass from time to time. But, like, I'd rather win that way, you know? I'd rather win going for it. Yeah, I'd rather win, you know, going for it than being on my heels and just reactive. Because, you know, something I know what I did not like in that Philly game was precisely that. That was an unwink-like game where we were lining up 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. We were very reactive. And, 
we got our asses kicked. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you're right. I'd rather go down swinging than that way because you're going to lose anyway. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm. I guess I'm more worried about Kafka, as far as chances goes. I think, but I agree with you. Your reasoning, like I'm not as worried about him going. Like, I, first of all, anyone who has a strong opinion on Mike Kafka's role and performance that was not in the front office, I think your opinion's horseshit. Like, I don't know what you, what you can tell was Mike Kafka and what was not, but like maybe you read an article or something and you have like one or two specific examples or something, but. Um, you're right. I mean, to me, as long as we have Brian Dable here, we have an offense that's going to run and it's going to look similar year after year, no matter what. Yeah, there might be some nuance in play calling well, there, or, something, or some will wrinkles, be. but there'll be there'll be little wrinkles every year that are different. But that happens every year. Every year right. you throw out some of your playbook and start over. So. Well, you have different players, too. I mean, you, people you utilize who does best and uh, you yeah. get the hand you're dealt after the draft and free agency and any trades and say, OK, this is what I got. And then you, you install your offense based on that. But you're not going to go from the run and shoot to the uh, the wing T. It's going to be you know in the same ballpark. Yeah, exactly. Um. So I mean, I guess like the only thing for me was that this was a, kind of a a guy who hasn't even been in the league that long, and like the idea of promoting him to head coach already just seems wild like i mean it, i don't have to say it seems wild it is wild i mean to be promoted this quickly with so little evidence of like i mean you know i i, I guess like i have a theory go ahead i think this league is becoming for being a successful coach it's relating to players and hmm. the psychological part of coaching as much as x's and o's i mean Coaches can hire good assistants. They can hire good coordinators, good position coaches, everything. But I think this trend is these guys are getting younger and younger because they're closer and closer to this generation of players, which are different than players that played 10 years ago. I mean, you see these guys now. They're different. They, you know, they are just as excited to run down the field and show off after an interception as, you know, that never happened 10 years ago. Players are different. I think having coaches that can relate to these guys now. I mean, can you imagine if, uh, you know, a giant had an interception and he did that running to the end zone thing, what Tom Coughlin would do? Oh, he'd, man. He'd blow a gasket. Yeah, you know? no, so, that wouldn't fly. You're right. Exactly. So I think, you know, I think you're going to see these coaches skew younger and younger um, if they got that certain it, that personality, that – and again, the, the – it's a small fraternity, the NFL. Everybody knows everybody. They know what their personalities are. And if you got a guy that just kind of, when he walks in a room, you know, people pay attention. They they see what flows out of him. And I think that's something with you know why guys like a Kafka might be short on experience, but long on it. And these guys get jobs. Just a theory I have. All right. So I I got two reactions to that. One is brilliant. Um, I think you might be. I think you might be onto something there. And I think, I think that it's, it, that's really funny and interesting because if you go back, that like you brought back, you brought up Tom Coughlin, and that sort of is like a changing the guard moment. Was that 2015 season? He really was not militant at all with Odell Beckham. I mean, 
the the idea that a player would be running around spearing other players and he wasn't pulling them off the field is something that just a year prior I would have never, ever, ever expected to happen. Uh, and you are kind of seeing that though, right? Like the Sean McVeighs of the world and like even like those like pictures of Brian Dable dancing with the Giants, like those all Sirianni uh, with uh, with Philly acting like an asshole. But even you know, even Joe Judge, him. Joe Judge sliding mm-hmm. down on the fucking slip and slide in the mud or whatever with the play. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, all that stuff. Yeah, I think I agree with you. On the flip side, have you seen anything about Mike Kafka that looks like he is down with players? <laughs> Well, that's the thing. I don't know. I, you yeah, know, I don't know either. We're not in the we're not in the building. Uh, you know, I don't know. Who knows? He just may have that something that. Uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, you could be right. Yeah, I uh, I am on board with your point, though. I think I I think I get that. Maybe I I don't know. Me personally, but remember too, you have to be able to identify that it. And we're also talking about Indianapolis. No, we're Kafka. Well, yeah, but we're also talking about. Kafka going to Arizona. Which okay, is... and another another one that you know, <laughs> spotty record with them for coaches too. Um, that owner, I don't know if it's the owner or the general manager that had like the the DUI problem out there. I think it was the general manager, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I. So like, I thought like, wow, ridiculous, right? Like Mike Kafka in one year of play calling and an offense that statistically was not good. Like yeah. you say anything you want about the turnaround of the team. And even the, the eye tests. The, Again, the, wasn't, the pieces wasn't that they had, hard. you can say yeah. all that stuff. That offense looked like shit. Nothing about looking at that offense and what they did. That was not the money ball season for the Oakland A's out there. <laughs> that wasn't. The team, maybe. The offense, definitely not. Um, so one year as the play caller for that offense and all of a sudden he's getting head coaching things. But like, it's not all that insane when you consider that Nick Sirianni was made a head coach after just two years of being an offensive coordinator under Frank Reich. It's, Mm -hmm. it's just, yes, it's insane, but it's not all that far off of what Philly just did. And two brought themselves to a Super Bowl. I mean, argue over who gets more credit, the GM or him, but doesn't matter he is coaching in a super bowl period right interesting thought yeah um that's gonna kind of do it for this episode any quick super bowl thoughts yeah my my super bowl thought is i'm unfortunately going to watch it (laughs) um let's go chiefs right i mean without question you know, it's one of those things where I have to root for a team that does the Seminole chop over, uh, you know, Philly. So it's really – it's a rock and a hard place, but it's really no – it's no debate. You know, I hate that city of Philadelphia. You know, it's disgusting. The people are, are disgusting people. The team – I mean, and this team now has this personality of everything I can't stand in an NFL team. So there's no way I can ever root for Philly. Having said that, I just have a very bad feeling they're going to beat the shit out of Kansas City. I, I really do. Um, they just feel like they have it. And uh, I think they win by double digits, unfortunately. I don't really, I, ho- I hope I'm wrong. I, I didn't even really look into, like, I don't know, any of it. We'll see. Um, maybe. Yeah, could be. 
that pass rush is for real. Mm. And um, you know, uh, Mahomes is a magic man, but is he going to be a hundred percent healthy? Is he going to be ninety percent healthy? Well, that's the shit of it, right? Is like that was kind of their their cakewalk playoffs. Is like us legitimately not a Super Bowl contender at all. Then they go right over and hurt the starting quarterback for the other team, who's yeah. already a backup to begin with. And then they go and they play the hurt quarterback from the other conference. Like that's really your yeah. They hang your you banner, know, guys. Yeah, well, you know, they also earn the right to play sure. the Giants I mean, it's, and it's, everything by having. It's that. not a fucking asterisk. I'm just saying, yeah. like it is. If you were to be proud of all the trophies in your life, that sure as shit ain't coming to mind first. <laughs> yeah, but you can only play who you play. I get it. Yeah. I don't know. Fuck Philadelphia. We'll see you guys next week. iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube. Yeah, and, thanks uh, to all the new uh, subscribers on YouTube. I mean, Grump doing uh, – you know, Yeoman's work the last couple of weeks with the with, with the Senior Bowl coverage and stuff. We've got a bunch of new people, so thank you for uh, you know following us over from his coverage on on, on um, Talking Giants. So we're we're just about at 400 subscribers on on YouTube. That's pretty fantastic. So thank you to everybody, and uh, let's get these numbers up. Tell your friends if you uh, you sit next to somebody at a Giant game, and you're like, I heard these two goofballs. They're not too stupid. Subscribe, hit that subscribe button on uh, on YouTube or whatever you podcast you listen to, and we really appreciate it. Yeah, man, uh, I do appreciate all the new followers, all the interactions on Twitter I've had. Twitter handles are at the bottom of the screen. Um, hit me up. I I'm always open to talk football and stuff, so that is definitely a, the the forum to do it. Um, but yeah, we we'll see you. We'll have off season coverage going. Starting in like a week, we will have our last yeah. not off-season topic. We'll talk about the Super Bowl, and uh, we'll get started with our addressing the roster kind of situation. So, state of the team, yeah, yeah. We do a lot of off-season work, so we do not quit and wait for the season to start or anything like that. This is a year-round show, so we will see you next week. Until then, go Giants! Go Giants! Go Giants.